So hello and welcome, and it's my honor today to have this amazing interview with uh, uh, my guests, who, and my guests are today very special. So first of all, I, I am honored to present Dr. Ayha Kadizis, who is, uh, uh, to me, uh, a legend. You know, I learned uh, a lot from him. He's a renowned uh, consultant, and uh, he's a tenured professor. He, he helped multi-billion corporations to scale, to launch businesses, and consulted presidents, and you know, if I would start presenting him, uh, it would probably it would take me a few minutes. So I'll just stop on this one, and we're gonna reveal uh, Dr. Adiz's experience uh, uh, in the course of this interview. Uh, and I also I'm happy to present uh, Varun Bajaj and Safar Adiz, uh, the co-founders of the Hustle. Uh, and uh, full disclosure, we are investors uh, in the hustle, right? So that should be mentioned and we're happy to help uh, them to grow their projects. They have an amazing uh, NFT uh, and uh, project. And uh, it's, uh, it's just an honor to, to talk about this as a, a practical case study. Now, uh, my name is Konstantin Kogan and it's Holistic Investments. So uh, before we start, so we have a traditional uh, disclosures and just to just to throw it out there so this content is for informational purposes only you should not construe any such information or any other material as legal tax investment financial or any other advice so now because we're going to talk about crypto partially we have to be very careful in what we're promoting <laughs> uh, our goal is to uh, make a deeper dive into hustle as a their business model and to understand you know uh, this amazing uh, concept and uh, uh, but before that uh, just just because uh, we're starting off uh, from this surprise I would say uh, so Dr. Adizas is joining us it's it I think it makes sense to say that Dr. Adizas is an official um, advisor at the end of the project and and that is why uh, I would suggest to to start with your with your experience Dr. Adizas uh, can you share your knowledge and uh, uh, the framework you wrote dozens of books right and uh, featured in a lot of uh, uh, you know again i don't even know how many publications in the world and how many whole greatest hosts in the world uh, interviewed so from your knowledge from your experience you know can you share with us uh, um, what is the success you know story like you know for the business who's just uh, starting right you know what what is the framework you would suggest to using your methodology I am right now reading an article from New York Times from this weekend about uh, the big a book written about the big fight, intellectual fight between Samuelson and Milton Friedman about how the economy should work. And Milton Friedman was known, this is the Economic School of Chicago, where he say that the, the goal of the corporation is owner's equity, which means profits. That's a business. That, we are in the business of making profits, period. And in my judgment, it was wrong. Why is that? I'm going to tell you. Just take my breath. <clears throat> Profit is a reward for achieving the goal. Like being healthy is a reward for jogging. The purpose is not jogging. The purpose is to be healthy. The purpose is not diet. The purpose is to be healthy. The same thing. Getting profits is the reward you get for doing something right. 
if you focus on profits and you do it all wrong, it will not be sustainable. It'll be, you know, short term, you do something, you made the buck here, uh, it disappears. 95% of startups disappear. 95% of startups fail. I don't know about the cryptocurrency industry. I, I, I kind of free myself from that judgment because it's a totally new phenomenon. I don't think they understand what's going on either. So I'm talking about in general, general terms, 95% of startup fails. And one of the reasons is because they think about profits. You should do what is right. And if you do it right, you will be profitable. And what everybody is struggling is to, with the question, what is it that I'm supposed to do right to make my profits? Now, I'm going to cover the material. It's in this book, Life Cycle of Organizations. And there's a whole chapter here, pretty big one, about startups. My experience is successful founders, if they think about profits, they look at the wrong thing. What is the right thing to look at? Usually successful founders identify a need in the marketplace, either that is not being satisfied at all, or that they can satisfy it better. So what is the focus? What does the market need? What does the market need? How do we satisfy the market? And if we satisfy the market repetitively and efficiently, we make profits. And if we make profits, there's a reward for satisfying the market need. Imagine a restaurant that wants to make only profits, but they forget what the client's needs are. How successful is that going to be? Not very successful, right? What is a successful restaurant? How do you know a successful restaurant? That the people are coming back. If they came once and never come again, it tells you something. It's not good. You're not satisfying a need. So the right thing to do is to identify a need and to satisfy it successfully. Now, in the cryptocurrency industry, if I may say something, although I don't take ownership of what I say because I really, truly admit I don't know enough. What are the needs? What are the needs? The two type of needs that I think, and I, I, I consulted to another cryptocurrency, so I'm not totally ignorant. I'm semi-ignorant, which is even more dangerous totally ignorant. <laughs> but let me talk anyway, and you make a judgment yourself. One need is we're satisfying something. You're doing something that the market needs that can be done with, like I have a client that has a, uh, that they, they found out a way and patented it that they can take a DNA, which has millions of letters, and they compress it and put it into, into a wallet. And now the question, so people can be, if they want to do some gene genetic testing, they can put the results into a wallet and it's private and it's not 
not open to the public like it is with 23andMe, 23andMe sells all the generic genetic results of their clients to pharmaceutical companies for millions of dollars. And here it is, somebody might find out that I have five children that I did not know about. I mean, the whole thing becomes public. So here it is, they satisfy a need. How do I make my DNA and my genetic uh, results secret, private, my own, and I can, so there is a need. But now they need money. So instead of going to the stock market, which they cannot, they're a startup, there is no stock market, or going to a bank to take a loan, or go to angels and asking for money, they print currency. Now you print currency to finance a need of the marketplace that you're satisfying. But pay attention, satisfying a market need. There is another need that cryptocurrency is playing in, and that's where the Bitcoin comes in. Bitcoin, they're, they're printing Bitcoins, but they're not satisfying any need. That they're, they're not financing anything. What are they doing? What is the need? To provide a currency alternative to the dollar or to the euro, to identify a new currency, which people trust more than they trust the dollar. Because Bitcoin is fixed, in amount, so there is no central bank that prints billions and trillions of dollars into the market and they and the bloody inflation goes through the roof. So people trust the cryptocurrency. And there are quite a few of them around. It's not only Bitcoin, quite a few that are competing to be the currency of the new era. So what is the focus? Constantly the focus. If you want to succeed, you have to identify a need that you can satisfy and in which you hopefully believe and you test. I'm going to word over the test immediately. You have a competitive advantage. Because if you don't have a competitive advantage, why are they going to give you the money? Why? What do you have that others don't have? That is the focus. Then, if the people come back again and again to buy your product, guess what? If you are a currency, the price of the currency goes higher and higher. I don't know where Bitcoin is today. It was it already 48,000 or something, or something very high. Here it is. We'll see. I will check it because I own it. Well, it's already $50,000, 50,300. Okay. People believe in it and they buy it and they buy it and buy it because they believe that it is the alternative to the dollar, the alternative to the future. And when you get PayPal accepting Bitcoin, and when you find out that Tesla used to accept Bitcoins and Amazon accepting, wow. So this is becoming a tested, proven, international new way of exchanging value with this new, 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 new currency. That's a new currency. That's its appeal. Other companies here are financing something that they are hopefully going to be profitable with. So the first stop for a successful startup is to focus on a need. Focus on a need and be sure that you have a competitive notion and believe and test that you have a competitive advantage in satisfying that need. 
Now I'm repeating the word test. Too many startups start with a dream and they stay with a dream and they never test the dream. They're dreamers, you know, they're dreamers. Moonwalkers, you, as you said in your, you, one of your books. You, you, you need to test the dream. Now, how do you test the dream? Well, how do you test a new car that you design? How do you test a new product? You go and you do, many of them are done on a computer with a simulation. You know, the same thing here. Sit down and do what's called a business plan. Who is going to buy it? What are their needs? Why are they going to buy mine rather than somebody else? From where, how is it going to be financed? How is it going to be the product delivered? You look at all the detailed repercussions, and especially in this field of cryptocurrency, are we crossing any boundaries of the legal, what is right, what is not right? I know it is Wild West. It is Wild West. But sooner or later, the sheriff is going to come to town. I mean, it's not going to stay Wild West for too long. The sheriff is going to come to town. And when the sheriff comes to town, uh, are we with our pants down or are we are with our pants up? Let's be sure that we thought the details sufficiently that we can sleep at night and not waste our time on worrying. That we really are together and we, we have a need, we have a capability to satisfy a need, we have the people, we have the resources, and within the boundaries of minimum worrying. That's called a business plan. That's also called a wake-up call to your dream. I Many companies that are startups, I tell them, you know, it was a wonderful dream. Go have a drink and find another dream. This dream is not your dream. Okay, because uh, you want to do, uh, I don't know what you want to do. Now, unless you're Musk, because Musk makes a dream and don't know how to make it happen, but he really the guy is unbelievable. But also he's a deep pockets, you know, from the PayPal, he made so much money, he could play. He started with, with deep pockets already, so he was not undefined. What is the next second success for a startup? What is a startup? A startup means you're starting to change something. That's why you're a startup. You're bringing something new into the game, okay? Like, I think, if I talk about hustle, I was really kind of very impressed. It's totally new. This NFT, I mean, what the hell is going on? I mean, I'm an 83-year-old man. Uh, I don't know whether very soon we are going to NFT sex. I mean, what the hell is going on? <laughs> what is the next thing to do, you know? The world is going really crazy. But on the other hand, it makes sense. It makes sense. Why it makes sense? Because everything is becoming more and more digital. Everything is becoming digital. So why not to have our digital and why not to have, and then why not also decentralize? The world is going in the direction of digitalization, which means it's not, it's not real, it's on the computer, everything. You know, I don't have money in my hand. I just pay with my, with my, my this. Everything is going now. I'm working now with a company, by the way, that is now going to compete with PayPal and they're going to dominate the market in an incredible way, and there's going to be no more money. 
you're not going to carry money anymore. You have a different ways to pay through a credit card, through a QRD or whatever it's called, that symbol here on there. Everything is digital. You don't touch anything. You don't touch anything. Everything is becoming symbolic, representing value. So why not in art? Why not in music? Second change in the, the world is going through is that it's getting decentralized. Everything is decentralized. Because the millenniums don't want to work in a hierarchy. They don't want to work eight to five. They want to be free and they want to make their decisions. Everything is becoming one big ecosystem and the hierarchies are falling apart. So now, instead of an artist being dominated by some label, I was just watching a movie, The Life of David Geffen. And by the way, David Geffen in 1970s wanted to work with me. I, I should have said yes, you know, anyway. <laughs> you know, and he really created a label, you know, and he was making money by, 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 by serving, but also dominating artists. Well, maybe this is over. Maybe now million people can own an artist. Why? Because we have a digital capability to make that happen. Not only an art, also a piece of art, painting. You know, what, what else do you want? I just was talking to Varun about this idea to marry these two companies I'm consulting to when they do, when they digitalize and put in a wallet, a DNA. How would you like to own a DNA of Hitler? How would you like to own the DNA of Dali? Maybe, maybe we can NFT DNAs. Anything can be now put on a bloody, bloody wallet. And anybody can say, I want to own that. Wow, wow, wow. New change, new world. Whenever there is an opportunity, there is a threat. Just remember that. And the bigger is the opportunity, the bigger is the threat. The bigger is the opportunity, the bigger is the problem that you have to deal with. It's not one-sided. Nothing is one-sided. Nothing is one-sided. There is no hot without cold. There is no si music without silence. There is, uh, there is no light without darkness. Everything is double. And Varun, coming from India, knows about this yin-yang story very well. Everything is together, masculine. So you have an opportunity, there is a problem. Now the trick is how to exploit the opportunity and control the problem. What is the problem? What is the opportunity? Change, change. And whoever can jump into the change successfully first, wins the game. And the others are still waiting and doubting, etc. become behind, become obsolete. They're still selling whips in Detroit, you know. Uh, there are no more horses, you know. There are cars now. What they are doing with the whips? They become obsolete. That's opportunity. The change gives you an opportunity. What is the problem? And I want to talk about the problem. So you have to watch out the problem so that the problem does not eat the opportunity alive. Everything in this world is a system. Everything. You as a human being, you're a system. A company is a system. It has all, country is a system. The world is a system. Everything is a system.
By definition, systems are composed of subsystems. In a company, you have marketing subsystem, sales subsystem, production for us, programming subsystem, uh, uh, financial subsystem, uh, human resources subsystem, people subsystems. And every subsystem is a subsystem, sub, 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 all the way to the nano down there. When there is change, the subsystems do not change at the same speed. Marketing goes faster than sales. Sales changes slower. Production, slower. Financial, accounting, whatever, slower. People, oh my God, try to change people. Try to change people. Much slower too. That makes uh, gaps in the system, cracks. It's called disintegration. The biggest danger to a startup is disintegration. People have different opinions. We should do this. No, we should do that. And we should go faster here. No, we should go faster there. Slow down here. I cannot catch up with this. So what happens? There is opportunity here, but we are not capable to capitalize on it because we are not together. The biggest challenge for a startup is to keep it together so we do not fall apart as we are trying to address change. Because the change is causing us to change too. You see, the change is causing us to change because we have to adapt to the change out there. We have to change in order to adapt to the change. But as we change, we fall apart. One answer to that is that it is normal that you will have a very autocratic, opinionated, strong leader. Says, no more bullshit is what we're going to do. Whoever does not like it, buy a ticket to Latin America and goodbye. Ciao. You know, we are not running a kibbutz here, you know. We cannot run a kibbutz here. What the fuck is going on? Now, the next thing I want to tell you, which is very important. What is normal and desirable at one stage of the life cycle of a company, which is a startup, could become abnormal later on, critical, and maybe even kill the company later on. So what is dictatorship desirable to start should not remain dictatorship. Because if it remains dictatorship, the company is growing. Look, it is the same thing with a baby. With a baby, you become a dictator. Time to go to sleep. Time to go to sleep. Now try to do that to a 26-year-old son. You know? <laughs> I, moved to, I moved to Puerto Rico, you know? The hell with you. You see what's happening? You have to change your style of leadership as the company changes. You have to change your style of part, parenting as a, as, a, as a, you have to change your, your pattern of being a spouse because a family, a marriage, and I think Varun just got married. Listen, Varun. So by the way, I have a book, you should read it, called The Power of Opposites. How do you keep your family together? Because when there is change, what's happening? 50% of the marriages go into divorce because they do not adapt as the marriage changes. First, we are in love, then we have children, then the children leave the house, and hey, well, 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 it's not the same thing. You have to change how you behave, because it's not the same marriage anymore. It's a different kind of a need. 
So, first secret of success is, are you satisfying your need? Are the people coming back to buy your product or service? That's number one. Who are you? I'm going to be meeting with a hustle group, which is I didn't start consulting yet. I'm meeting them this Thursday to find out what need are you really satisfying? Who the fuck needs you? Let me tell you how you how measure that. I have a way to say it. Who will cry if you die? If hustle goes bankrupt tomorrow, who will cry? That tells me if you're, if you're needed or not needed. If nobody will cry, maybe you should die. What the hell? Nobody needs you. Who needs you? Number one. And do you have what they need or not? Do you have something which is competitive enough that gives you a chance to succeed, to satisfy the need, and they're going to come back? Question number one. Number two. Do we have a commonality of vision of the leader that we accept? Where are we going? So we are all going together. Now, why is that togetherness, integration so important? Because we are falling apart. Normally, it's normal, guys. It's normal to fall apart. Hear me well. Because change causes disintegration. It's normal for a car to fall apart eventually after 5,000, 10,000, 100,000 miles. Normal. Everything is called entropy because change causes disintegration. Period. Don't fight it. But then, if that is a problem, what is the solution? Integration. Keep it together. Keep it together. Now, you don't want dictatorship that's stupid. He doesn't listen to anybody. He has his own dreams and people say, what the hell is he talking about? You want a good leader that has good ears. He listens reasons and tries to bring the people together and if there is after enough discussion we come to the point of we understand it now the question is do you want it salty or do you want it sweet salty we, in other words we have a discussion we did deliberate we listen to everybody in a disciplined way and then somebody cuts the master that says okay guys we are now running in circles we know what we are talking about. All the subject is being discussed. There is nothing new. Now we have to bite the bullet. I'm biting the bullet. But I listen to all of you. He doesn't make a decision in a vacuum. He goes to the bathroom and imagines a solution and comes out of the bathroom with the solution. That's not what we are talking about. That's a stupid dictator. You want a benevolent dictator. With big ears, listens and makes a decision that reflects what the group jointly cooked, okay? Why is that important that has big ears and talks to the people? Let me explain that. How do you integrate? Change causes disintegration. How do you integrate? What does it mean integrate? What do I do? Kiss you? What do I do? You hug you? What the hell am I going to do? What do you want me to do? I'll tell you what it is. It's a long lecture. It's another book of mine called Mastering Change. How do you master change? How do you master? How do you manage change? The people in the room 
and the function that they represent, marketing, sales, production, which is the programming, development, financial side, I don't know, whatever. There is diversity. They think differently. I'm pretty sure without knowing much that in hustle, everybody is a personality. I mean, they're not, you know, all made the same way, you know. Each one of them has a, his own vision. Normal. They have their own style. They're different. Normal people to be different. Because of that, it's normal to have conflict. I think A, you think B. Now what the hell do we do? There's a conflict in this. How do you bring them together when they think differently? How do you bring a marriage together when we are different? You always marry somebody who is different. I don't know, Constantine, if you're married or you, you fall in love with somebody who is different. Because if they're the same, they're boring. You marry somebody who is different. How different? They're usually strong in what you're weak. You fall in love with your own weakness that the other party has as a strength. That's why you're in love. Oh, wow. She's so wonderful. What are you describing? Your own fucking weaknesses. That's what you're describing. Because the other person compliments you. And that's what creates a conflict now because they're different. Okay, they're strong in what you're weak. Oh <laughs> my God. I definitely don't like that. You know, they're better than me. So, how are we going to be together? It's called mutual respect. That's not mine. It's Immanuel Kant, the philosopher, who says, respect is when you recognize the sovereignty, undeniable right of the other party to be different. I accept your difference. You don't have to be like me. You don't have to be like me. I respect your difference. In the case of a startup, I don't expect that you are feminine and I'm masculine. We are not talking about that difference. I respect that you think differently. I don't have to agree, by the way. We agree to disagree. That's fine, too. But I gave you a chance to express yourself. I am listening to what you have to say. I reason with what you say. And you do the same thing with me. That's why the word mutual should be in capital letters bold. Okay, look, some religions, uh, the Muslim religions for me, they want everybody to respect their religion, but they don't respect anybody else's religion. It's not mutual. That doesn't work. It has to be mutual. Otherwise, it doesn't work. And how do you make it mutual respect? It's behavioral. It's not intentions. No intentions. Behavioral. So in a Disney methodology, I really have very hard rules how meetings are being run, how discussions are being run. Very, very hard rules. And we in our rules is, if you break the rules, you pay a penalty, a real significant penalty. And that money goes to charity. And if you don't have money because some people don't have money, then they do push-ups in front of the whole group. Get on the floor, do push-ups because you broke the rules. And what is the rule? You're not respecting the other party. Like, speak at the same time. I'm talking, you're interrupting me. You know what? What the hell? You're not listening to me. You're trying to win an argument and you, you, you don't listen. 
So one of the rules is, you, when I talk, you shut up. When I finish talking, I will call you by name, Constantine. Like they do in airplanes, you know, they talk, talk, talk. You know, they, they have a word that tells them, now it's your turn to talk. They don't talk at the same time. If they talk at the same time, they're going to crash because they're not communicating. So the first rule is don't talk at the same time. I talk. You, are, you cannot stand what I'm saying. Never mind. Take a piece of paper and write. I'm going to kill the son of a bitch tomorrow. Write it down. But don't say a word. Just shut up. And don't show it on your face how mad you are. Just listen. You finish talking, talk as long as you want. Let them talk as much until he cleans up, cleans up his stomach. Let him clean up his stomach. Then he says, Constantine, now he has to shut up. Now you talk. Now I talk. Now you talk. Now I talk. You know what? I found out even the most incredible conflicts. Go down. We listen to each other, and I take notes, what I disagree. I'm writing down what I disagree about, so when my turn comes, I'm going to talk. So, the first rule for integration, because all companies fall apart, all marriages do fall apart, there is no marriage without conflict. You know what? You do it in your own head, by the way, you have a conflict too, you know that. One part of your brain says, let's do it. The other part of the brain says, are you crazy? What the hell are you doing? So how do you handle that? How do you listen to both parts? Take a piece of paper and you write down, why yes? Then you finished. Why not? You see what you're doing? You're listening to both parts. Peacefully. Quietly. No raising of voices. I don't allow people to raise voices. You raise your voice, you're intimidating. You're intimidating me. You know, you want to win the argument. You want to win the argument, go home. We are not here to win arguments. We are here to learn from each other to make a better decision. What, do, what can you give me that can teach me? I have one rule. I, I just, I'm just finishing another book. And I, what I'm saying to people, I love people that defeat me in my argument. I really love people that beat me. Respectfully. Respectfully not raising their voice and pushing your finger into my chest. No, no, no. Not literally, but why? Because if they defeat me in my argument, I learned something which I did not know before. I even tell them, thank you. Wow, that's a good point. I did not think about it. Thank you. In Hebrew, you don't say mutual respect. You don't say honor. You say value. I value you. Why do I value you? Because I learned from you. I like to have people in my com in company that when we finish a discussion, I say, son of a bitch, the guy is very, you know, I just learned something I didn't know before. He had a good point, you know, I didn't think about that. I, I missed some points. I, I, you know, I feel some holes. That's what you want. You want to have people working for you or with you that are better than you. So you always learn from them. And they learn from you. That's why it's mutual respect. And there must be a way to run meetings respectfully. 
And if he has somebody who cannot do that, he has to scream and interrupt and kick. And you know what? Tell him to buy a ticket and fly to Brazil and not come back. Period. End of the story. It's a bad apple in the, in the, in the, on the cart. If he's disrespectful. And there are some ego maniacs who are disrespectful. They waste your time. Now, next point, and I'll tell you about wasting time, and then I'm going to finish. I'm lecturing too long. For integration, it's not enough respect. Why? Why am I working with you? Why am I listening to you? Why am I wasting my time? Because there must be a benefit, which means there must be mutual trust. If you are arguing with me and you're pushing your own self-interest and you don't care about my interest, you know what? Whatever you're trying to tell me doesn't make sense to me because it's going to hurt me. I have to trust you that you have my interest at heart and I have your interest in heart or in a kind of a startup, we all work for the same thing, trying to make this thing successful. You see it this way, I see it this way. We are all trying to make this successful, period. So we listen, we listen. So the way you integrate and thus solve this big threat called disintegration that's caused by change is by having mutual trust and respect. You want to have people in the company that you respect and that you trust. And you must have a way of running the company in a way that encourages mutual trust and respect, feeds mutual trust and respect, nourishes mutual trust and respect, and not undermines mutual trust and respect. You want a leader, dictatorial leader, that has mutual trust and respect as the northern star that drives his behavior. The role of a leader is to create a climate, to nourish a climate, of mutual trust and respect, because in a startup is continuously changing. That's what the startup is about. So you have to be sure that you don't lose the base that is so important. The base is very, very important. The culture is very important. The behavior is very important. If you have, now why is mutual trust and respect so important? Because energy is fixed at any point in time, there is no endless energy. We know that from physics. There is no perpetual mobile. Energy is fixed. If there is no mutual trust and respect, you waste a lot of energy on fighting, disrespecting, worrying, whatever the hell. So what happens? You deplete your energy and only the surplus left is anything left you can deal with the external environment and exploit the environment. You're not going to succeed. By the time you go out there to help the market, you're exhausted from with the internal fighting. I have companies that I try to help, but then I say, this is not going to work. Where they had the market, they had an incredible opportunity. They had the patent, they had the technology. They had money because if there is a need in the marketplace and there is a technology to satisfy the need, investors come and bang on your door and say, how can I invest? Because you have something unbelievably successful. They went bankrupt. How the hell can you go bankrupt? You have market, you have technology, and you have money. 
the parties were fighting. They were spending more time fighting than working on the market. That's it. That's it, my guys. That's what, that, that is the whole goddamn secret. The secret is change together. Together, 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 together. If you have the togetherness, you will survive. If you don't have the togetherness, I don't care how big the opportunity is. I don't care how much money you have. It will not work. Okay? Yeah. Uh, so respectfully, thank you for sharing this uh, uh, gems of wisdom, uh, uh, Dr. Adizis. I think, you know, it's, we, we, we can, I'm sure we can listen to you for hours, but because of the respect of your uh, time constraints. So uh, I, 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 would, I would love to defer a lot of your um, suggestions and comments uh, to Varun and Safar. And basically, like from my perspective, I would say that we supported you know, the, the, the hustle team because we actually see that first of all, they, they have this potential, they have a, there's a need in the market. There's no, there's no even doubt about it. And I'm sure that I will let them talk about it more. Uh, the way they actually digitize the traditional uh, model of how the music business works right now, combining the music and digital art together, it's unbelievable. And, and I'm sure Varun and Safar will talk about it more. But the second, as you mentioned, so we're gonna, we want to test uh, Varun and uh, give him uh, a chance to talk about a little bit about the team. And, and uh, I will start with provocative uh, question to you, Varun. So are you an autocratic uh, totalitarian leader or <laughs> tell us? You know, uh, it's, it's funny you say that. So as, you know, Dr. Jesus has shown me and taught me, and I've come to very much value him uh, as a mentor, actually, um, styles have to change. Um, and I've learned that, you know, this is the first time I'm actually running a company, but I've learned early on that each style, depending on the life cycle that you are in the business, your style has to change. So initially, I was less, maybe personally, more less, totalitarian and more, you know, um, agreeable to certain things and, and whatnot. But then as things progress, uh, as he says, Dr. Jesus says, you have to change. And so now it, it's definitely a little bit more, I wouldn't say totalitarian, but I'm, I'm definitely firm in, in what I, what I believe in, but I do believe in integration and I do believe in valuing, making sure others are heard. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, the, uh, the last, the last, Say in the matter uh, has to be with me, so that's how I operate. So how how would you explain that? What Dr. just mentioned, what is the need in the market right now? Why do you think that right now is the right time to digitize art, to digitize music? You know, why 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 do you think that NFT is the big opportunity right now? Yeah, I mean, right now the market we identified early on. Um, that the market needs this technology, the, the music industry. So for instance, blockchain technology um, is, has the ability to disrupt industries, not just music, but all verticals, correct? And so because I've been entrenched in the, um, in the crypto world for many, many years, I saw an opportunity that actually the mainstream hasn't really fully captured or really thought about, right? And so when you bridge the need and what's available, if people knew, more people knew what was available, there would be no opportunity, right? There would be no opportunity for the hustle to do what they're doing. Um, and Sapphire and myself would not be speaking with you today. So the reason is, is we see the, uh, how a traditional 
sector, such as the music world, where 88% of um, revenue goes to non-artists, we see that that's unfair, that's unjust. And if you ask musicians, are they happy with the way things are going? It's going to be a resounding no, but it's just they don't realize the opportunity in front of them. And that's where Sapphire and myself and The Hustle comes in to kind of acknowledge and let them know and empower them to be like, hey, things can change. And this is what's going on. Very few people know what's going on. Sure, a lot of people know what Bitcoin is now, but you would have asked them in 2015, 2016, what's that? NFTs are the same way. You know, it only really came to the forefront in, 20, in February with people sale, but it's still so, so early. So that is why the time to, to, to act is now. And if we don't do it, and I was telling Dr. Deezus and others, if we don't take this opportunity and seize the moment, a year from now, someone else will. And I'll be damned if someone else does it before me. So you know, that, you know that Mark Cuban is into it. I just found out this billionaire <laughs> that owns the Mavericks. And he is now hustling one of the guys that I'm working with and is doing NFTs of this guy's photography. Yeah. He, this guy is a, was a very famous photographer. He, has, he was the photographer of Marilyn Monroe and all kind of other, you know. So now they're going to NFTs, those photographers, those photographs. And Mark is trying to get this, this um, my friend of mine, as a matter of fact, is my consultant. You know, I, hired, I, I also need somebody to tell me things that I'm weekend. So he's consulting to me and he's now doing NFTs. It's getting, NFTs is going everywhere. This is a new world. I mean, this is a, and whoever is early into it is going to have an advantage, which is unbelievable. Yeah. So I'm I'm quite excited about this music thing, Varun. I want you to know that I, I I'm I'm joining you not only because my own son is into it, but because I think it is really something. The music industry artists are getting exploited left and right like crazy, and if somebody can come with a solution that makes them free of the yoke of the of the of the of the of the of the bloody whatever they're called, you know, uh, uh, that control the artists and exploit these poor guys that are loving writing music and performing, and they, they, they don't know. By the way, I want you to know what you don't know, but uh, in 1970s, my God, 50 years ago, I established the first program in the world, first program in the world. MBA program at UCLA mm -hmm. for how do you manage artists? It's called arts administration. Today there are 49, the latest one I heard, MBA programs around the world in arts administration. I created the first one. I, I, I lectured about it at the National Galleries in Washington. I was with the National Endowment in the Arts. I wrote the first articles on the subject. Uh, how do you manage artists? And I was consulting to the Los Angeles Music Center. I mean, uh, the, the theater there, the Los Angeles Philharmonic. I reorganized the Hollywood Bowl, by the way. So how do you manage artists? And I realized these guys are dreamers, are loving people, creative people, and they're exploited like hell. So if somebody can come in with a digitalization and free them from that and let them really benefit fully for their creativity and contribution to society, you have a winning, have a winning ticket. You have a winning ticket, no question about it. 
The only thing is how to do it correctly. But the market is there. The market is definitely there. Yeah. So if I may, like I, I, I think this is this is a, the the time when I want to suffer because you you are a musician. You're a talented musician. You're an artist yourself. You know all in and outs of this industry. So basically, can you help us to understand better what is wrong right now in the entire life cycle of an artist who's trying to produce great music or great art, and then what he's not getting at the end, and how, how he, he's not reaching his fans? Yeah, as Varun said, um, you know, first of all, yes, I'm a musician. I have, uh, as a producer and writer, almost 200 million streams on Spotify and, you know, worked in many different facets of the industry. As Varun said, you know, 88% of music industry international income goes to non-music creatives. It goes to uh, some sort of intermediary bureaucracy that goes in between the consumer and the artist. Only 12% is going to, to music creators. And, and that's, that's a big issue that blockchain is basically being able to solve. Because if we can eliminate um, as many of those intermediaries that are taking that, that, that bureaucracy that's taking that large part of that income, and replace it with the technology that connects these fans with artists, then these fans no longer are just fans. They are like a new record label because a record label today, basically, if you're a musician, you have kind of two options if you're starting out. You can hustle and, you know, get, you know uh, my dad always likes to say when you meet a waiter, uh, uh, and you, or, sorry, if you, if you meet a, a guy, he says he's an actor and you, and you say, well, uh, which restaurant do you work in? You know what I mean? That's my dad's classic joke, right? You can hustle and get a, a waiting job, try to get as much money as you possibly can. And you put it together and you put some money into social media and you hire like the smallest PR company that takes, you know, a discount because your friend's friend knew somebody. And then you finally put something out on social media and nobody watches it. So then you go back and make it again and get a second waiting job. And then finally your dad tells you it's time to become a businessman and, and stop <laughs> So that's one option. Or you can become extraordinarily lucky, like, you know, one in a million, and you happen to know somebody who happens to live next to Kendall Jenner in LA, who happens to know the music manager that just fits into your genre, right when you met the right producer who happened to make the right song and you get 200 million streams on Spotify and you, and you know, or you're, or like many musicians are born into it. You know, many, many musicians have become very popular. They have, parents or they have uncles that are music industry executives or know somebody or, or born in Calabasas, you know, um, uh, there, there's, those are basically the two options. Now, what I believe the hustle is changing and what blockchain, you know, is going to, it's going to happen no matter what, as Varun said, if it's us or if it's somebody else, an artist can now come and put a work onto the internet in a digitized form utilizing a string of code that's associated with it that is unique to that one asset or a select you know a, a collection of that asset and in purchasing that code that's associated with that asset which is a non-fungible token can can be i want to say this in the right way purchasing a collectible for the artist to be able to fund their career but also the person who's, who's, in, who's purchasing this collectible is, is that collectible can go up in value. And as the artist's career grows, that fan is, is, is portfolio in a way is growing. And what makes that so incredibly exciting is, is that record labels these days are doing what are called 
either our 360 deals or, you know, in, in pretty much all record label deals of all time has always been, I'm going to give you a, an advance that's recoupable and I'm going to take 80% of the income, right? And I have control over the costs. Mm-hmm. And that limousine that picked you up when you're 22 years old from the, from the hotel that I got three marketing guys uh, hotel rooms in, in your hotel room, that's all on your bill. But and I'm controlling it and it's recoupable, meaning so as the bill goes up, I'm going to collect the costs and you're only going to take that little 16% of the income at the end of the day. And if it's a 360 deal, I'm going to take all of your income, not just your music income, but if you sell a t-shirt at your show, I'm taking that too, right? That's the popular record label deal. What we're, what's going to completely change everything is I believe a fan will be able to go to a platform. I think it's the hustle. They open that platform and they're going to see the artist that they love and they're going to see a new song that nobody else can hear and they're going to purchase it, let's say for $1. There was an artist just recently, I'm not sure if you know Dr. Jesus, that, that sold a, a one song, a million different copies as NFTs for $1 each and he sold all $1 million, meaning $1 million in 57 seconds, right? I believe artists are going to be releasing their music as NFTs first. Wait, 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 wait. Can we NFT my books? I, I need that. <laughs> what the hell? 100%. Of course, because the goddamn publishing company screw me. They left and exactly. right, you know. No, no, here's the thing. This is the big thing. NFTs and the hustle is to the music industry what Bitcoin is to centralized banking. NFTs can be to the publishing industry, to... To, to publishing industry, what Bitcoin is to centralized data. NFTs are a revolution that's going against a centralized tyranny of power that makes sure that there's no democratization as to which artist is either successful or it makes sure that a fan has no participation in the back end of an artist. I mean, from a fan perspective, you pay $10 to Spotify and you listen to all your friends' songs And that income is going not on pennies on the dollar, but pennies upon pennies upon pennies to, mm-hmm. on the dollar to the artist. And the record label is making money because they took an early equity position from Spotify. Meaning the record label represents the artist, makes sure that the artist gets fucked over and retains an equity. So now that's from the artist's perspective. So obviously there's, a, there's, you know, there's going to be a world where you can go to the platform If you have a certain amount of hustle token, you can show up to this champagne room to see the first song from a new artist that you can purchase as an NFT, you purchase as an NFT, and an artist can have a career blown up and have this source of funding like never before. And a fan has an opportunity. Imagine if you, you know, I'm living in Puerto Rico, Bad Bunny. If I heard Bad Bunny before Bad Bunny was famous and I purchased one of his NFTs, one of his biggest hits first if i own that think about the value even if it's one of one million of copy and i got it for one dollar for free as an airdrop now if i held on to that and resold that and from bad bunny his fans are his label now as opposed to the label being some sort of tyrannical power that stops him so there's basically it's it's all the music industry should be is between artists that perform, fans that consume and, and invest, whatever, and 
producers and songwriters that create music for artists to perform. If you only have those three people, then the only thing that, that, that is necessary in order to unite them is blockchain technology, where we are now. As a, it required this giant bureaucratic system of waiting three years. I've waited three years sometimes to be paid by a record label. Can you believe it or not? Even though the song came out three years ago, I wait three years to get paid, you know? And it's not by the correct amount. And there's no way for me to audit. If you, if you just naturally know enough about blockchain, you're going to see, oh my God, a fan can purchase NFTs from an artist, fund their career. An artist can get that funding and then purchase NFT instrumentals and song ideas from other producers all on one platform. And that can create the artist to have a new song that can get purchased by fans. And now it's just three parties interacting with each other on the blockchain. And the intermediaries are no longer necessary because the smart contracts are paying the people out and it's being paid within, a, within minutes. You know, that's the other gigantic change is I wait three years to get paid by a record label. I'll wait, I'll, you have to wait till, you know, next quarter of next year when they've recouped the income from the costs that you have no control over and that you're never gonna see and you're only got 3%. That's my, you know, the producer deals. I have, I have a producer deal, a song, and I'm, I can't reveal whatever, it got played on Ellen a few weeks ago. You'll get 1%, 1%, right? Now you're going to see this unbelievable world where that, that, that is big. That's that. Yeah. As I was going to say, the smart contracts, the money comes in from the fan within, you know, 10 minutes, five, 10 minutes, the funny's in the money's in your crypto wallet and it can't be stolen and you can audit it. Oh my God. Oh, what a, what a, it's, it, it, it changes everything. It changes absolutely everything. I have a question. Yeah. It is uh, my ignorance. Isn't the label doing management of the artist? Because in this cryptocurrency scheme that you're talking about, who does managing the artist, you know, creating his career, you know, yeah. promoting him? Who does that? Mentorship of artists is always going to be a thing. You can't take a, the, the value of a mentor cannot be replaced by blockchain. Right. But so who is, I'm not, and, 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 you know, you're my dad, so I can say you're definitely ignorant on this one because you, you said part of my ignorance. Yeah. The label, many times, many, many times, I don't know if you ever know about this, will give an advance to an artist, take their album, put it in the, in the, in the factory shelf, and never release it because they have another artist in their label that may be a competitor to that artist, and they don't want the two artists to compete. So they're just owning the artist, making them make this whole album, putting it on the shelf and never oh, release. But never mind. The one that they want to mentor, who does the mentoring? Right. No. And, and that's 100% still uh, going to be a facet. If we, want, if we want to include mentors, it can say an artist and their mentor, a fan and their mentor, and a, 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 a producer slash songwriter and their mentor. We will talk about, we'll talk okay. about it. Because this is a hole. Uh, we ought to solve this hole. Because uh, yeah. look, if you can add, if you can add, if Hustle can add, outsource mentoring for which they get paid and they get part of the Bitcoin system, you know, they own part of the... Whoever invests owns part. They are investing also their time and their effort. Right. Now I give you the artist 
access to the money, transparency of information, and a mentor. What else do you want? Right. Yeah. So we need to talk about that because you need to have the whole the whole schmear has to be closed up. Don't leave anything open. And and that's um, actually in their plan. I wanted to ask about this. That was my next question. You almost like read the let our mind read our mind. So what I wanted to to so by the way, so thank you for your passion. You can clearly see that it's coming from real pain, and I think that's that's what's beautiful about it. That you know the the and I'm sure a lot of people who are listening who are musicians will be able to relate to this pain, right? So so you're disintermediating like a lot of the. Uh, I would say intermediaries in between like, and, and also your marketplace. So you're solving a lot of problems, but besides that, I want to, maybe I want to, uh, you know, we, we, we have a lot of great examples. Visa just bought $150,000 worth of NFT. Like, you know, we have Maroon 5 who are uh, uniting against the, uh, you know, uh, the climate change and they're doing it on a, in a decentralized format. Right. And we have a lot of artists who are like supporting this movement. And by the way, one of them, I, I think we should mention this, this is one of the top stars who's Buster rhymes also supporting you so can you mention uh, maybe a little bit about it i think it's an exciting uh, element of your business uh, that is such renowned stars are supporting you yeah uh, yeah and i just wanted to quickly say sapphire that was an amazing speech man i i love the passion i've known you for you know when i started this journey sapphire was one person i was introduced to by our coo uh matt shellhoff and man he's been uh, i just can't say enough about it He's just such a great, loyal guy, and I, I feel the pain, and I hope your your audience feels that pain too. Because even though I've never been in the music world, and I stumbled upon this by chance, because you know two music executives found me because I understood NFTs, the music was not in my DNA. But from an observer, now actually since I'm integrated, running a company, a music company, it is now starting to become in my DNA, and I feel for the pains and the struggles that you know musicians and creatives go through and it, it i think they should be set up because for too long being taken advantage of that's just not right and it needs to be changed and that's what you know we want to be that missing piece at least to provide them the solution out but um but yeah anyways back to your question what buster rhymes yeah buster rhymes is is uh, not only an advisor but he's also a content producer and he's integral in what we're trying to do because he gives us um, a lot more credibility as well, right? A lot of his peers, everyone around the world knows who Buster Rhymes is. And so coming into this project, we knew early on that in order for us to make as big of a mark as we'd like to, we have to align ourselves with industry veterans, right? And so actually Sapphire was instrumental in giving us the opportunity to meet um, uh, Busta. Actually, long story short, um, Alex Rifkin is the son of Steve Rifkin and Alex and and Sapphire are really good friends. And so I met Alex and um, through Alex and Alex and now basically, or actually is a part of our day-to-day -day team and he's incredible. Uh, his dad, Steve Rifkin and Steve Rifkin is a, um, you know, a music mogul, uh, one of the biggest managers, especially in hip hop all around the world. And through him, then we got introduced to Busta Rhymes. And Busta, what was important for us is not to just align ourselves with the biggest name, right? The NFT world is, first of all, only about community. And second of all, they can sniff out anyone who's in it for a money grab, right? So for us, it was important and actually critical that whoever want, we wanted to align ourselves with the top talent, that they are in this for the long run, that they believe in the NFT narrative, that they believe in the struggles that the artists are going through to see what blockchain can do to, to basically 
transform the lives of not only themselves, but their peers. Because if they aren't doing that, the NFC world will sniff it and they'll be a massive uh, failure. So it was very evident to us that Buster Rhymes was that guy. He has this vision to become a pioneer. If you notice his tweets recently, he's really engaged in the crypto world. Mm-hmm. He's really engaged in learning and wanting to become a student of not just NFTs, but Bitcoin. Why the monetary policy right now is in trouble. Why are people flocking to, to Bitcoin? Why is Bitcoin necessary? And without why is Ethereum necessary? So that knowledge, that appetite was extremely attractive to our team. And uh, yeah, we met him in Miami as well for Bitcoin conference, which only further solidified our reasoning for, for bringing him on. And we couldn't be happier. And we have a lot of plans with him and he's been great and his team's been great. And it, I truly believe he is going to be that pioneer for the hip hop world. That, that one guy, he's going to bring in his peers um, and hopefully onto our platform. And but more importantly, bring knowledge to people who really need it. Yeah. So as a follow-up question, I, I want to ask, so th- there is more into platform. Just I think it's important to, to mention that besides this amazing opportunity to connect directly an artist to a fan, an artist to have direct uh, interest like from the fans and earn more money, like uh, honestly, like and not to ask a permission for a label or recording company, like you know who's going to do like you know like crazy contracts with them, but also uh, for fans to potentially have appreciation from this NFT. As uh, as uh, Sapphire mentioned, like if you invest in early NFT of any artist and you wait for a year and this artist becomes like a top star in the world, your NFT can do 100x. Again, we're not like, it's not a financial advice, but this is like something that I think it's important for the audience to understand, especially for the first time hearing that, right? And, but there is even more to that. Like for, um, you have an, an interesting element of your platform, which is ticketing, right? So you can have an early access to some exclusive events. So uh, guys, I wanted to talk about it because I think it's also exciting. Well, the technology is there that we can do all sorts of things, right? So ticketing is one aspect where, you know, the NFT is the ticket per se to enter any sort of event or enter any sort of, you know, concert. So in our our case, we can do everything. We can do the experiences where in order to get into this exclusive release party, you must purchase the artist's NFT, which makes sense, right? And, or we also have abilities. Can I, can I, can I stop you for a second? Of course. From my, uh, again, I'm going to share only experience, not knowledge, but experience. Simple is powerful. The simpler is more powerful. The message has to be simple. Whenever I hear the NFT, I go blank. <laughs> Maybe because I'm 83 years old, you know. NFT, non-fungible, what the hell is it? I don't know what it is. But I do know something. I've known something else. I can be an owner of an artist. And you as an artist, using the new technology, you don't need the private the label. You can get direct access to your fans. And now your fans are the owners who so they're interested in building your career because they're owners. Just imagine you have one million owners. They're going to kill to promote you because they're owners. Make it simple. For, I, I would not use the word NFT once again, ever in my life. The hell with the NFT. You're doing a very simple Jewish trick. It's called get rid of the middleman. That's what you're doing. <laughs> you're getting rid of the middleman. And you're getting directly integration 
transparency, and now the owners of my music are my fans. My God, they're going to kill. They're going to spread the message. They're going to play the music on every street corner because they own the music. I mean, I don't even need a manager. Talk, make it simple, Varun. Marketing-wise, make it simple. NFT, if you own an NFT, you can come to the, to the show. No, no, no. All owners can come to the show. Ah, I'm an owner, I come to the show. Oh, my dear, you know, bala bite now. I'm coming <laughs> in. That's what you want. Don't, don't forget, forget the acronyms. I would not even use the word cryptocurrency. The hell with it. It's a vehicle for you to own a song. And it's a vehicle for you, the artist, to have your fans owning your song and interested in your career. Period. Make it simple. Make it simple. Make it simple. The simpler it is, the more powerful it is. And that's why I value you, Dr. Jesus, for this, for this advice. And that's, I mean, what he's saying is 100% correct. And, and uh, you know, the owners are of the artists. As you were saying, Constantine, you know, it's exciting for, for someone around the world, collector, for instance, to invest in an artist's career at the early stages. If you would have invested in people's piece in 2020, even in the summer, uh, you would have gotten it for pennies of the dollar and you would have made an incredible, again, not financial advice, but you're investing in his career. So you're now the number one advocate for his journey and the rewards will show that. And so for instance, one of the uh, companies, Artbox, Artlock Curated, which is actually probably one of the biggest ones on OpenSea right now, these new artists are coming in. People are doing really well and they're being vocal advocates because they got in. You want to see your, your, if you're collecting a piece of some artists, you want to see them succeed. So you're going to do everything in their power, in your power, to do what you can to give, bring exposure and excitement. And so there's an opportunity for a collector to do extremely well, whether it's in the art world, like people or box created, or in the music world, like Busta Rhymes or any other artists that we bring in. You start in from ground zero on their journey and uh, you know they're going to be with you and loyal for you forever. There is another advantage that I hear here. I hear another advantage. Again, maybe I'm talking out of ignorance. Look, the way that I become an owner of a certain piece of music of an artist is by buying hustle coins. Am I right? So it's not every song has a different coin. It's one coin for all the songs, for all the artists. Am I right? Uh, yeah, correct. There's only one. Uh, so now look what's happening. happening. Now look what's happening. I'm really buying a portfolio of artists. I'm not buying an artist. I'm buying a portfolio of artists. Yes. Exactly. So if this artist doesn't succeed, that's what succeeds. What the fuck? I mean, I'm buying a portfolio of established artists and startup artists. Those startup artists might become, you know, winners. It's like buying in the stock market a portfolio. Exactly. In the, you know, wow, 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 wow. So I'm stupid not to buy this, to, 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 to buy, you know, I'm buying with, with my coin. I'm buying a portfolio. Let's, let's, let's let Sapphire to comment on this, please. I'll take it one step further. I'll take it one step further. Dad, how do you make your investment decisions today? Badly. <laughs> <laughs> Any of your investment decisions? I'm, I'm joking. I'm joking. Take either from you know we know personally we we have a uh, investment advisor Brad Stark, 
um, you know, you get your investment advice from a certain person who might know better, right? How do people discover music today? The playlist on Spotify. And there's some people that are so good at finding new music that they create playlists and they are tastemakers. In the future, the tastemaker and the investment advisor will be the same person. And you're going to show up at a party and you're going to say, Ichaka Dizis will say, Sapphire, who are you, what, what are you investing in right now? Oh, this is the same five years. Oh, my portfolio is, you know, 50% Bitcoin. I have, you know, 15% Ethereum. I'm fully out of stocks and bonds. I'm only in crypto. And oh yeah, I have, uh, you know, 30% on my, on my music playlist, which is 80% the same as Tastemaker Constantine, who had the most, had 100x on his playlist last year. So my playlist is based off of Constantine's playlist this year because he did 100x last year. And I follow the tastemakers on the hustle who have playlists, which are really investment portfolios that I'm looking into. And I want to, I want to have, I want, I'm going to, so I take 80% that's like Constantine who did 100x last year and 20% of my favorite artists, people that my heart feels to. So you're going to be able to, there's going to be people who invest in, in the hustle playlist more successfully than other that will, people will end up following and base their own playlist off them because they did well last year. And now it's, it, what's really cool is it's like your heart, which is what music is and your pocket are going to start to get locked in together because you're going to, your playlist will be your portfolio. It honestly, we should write that down. The yeah. hustle where your playlist is your portfolio. I think this is amazing. And if I may comment from an investment standpoint, that's exactly the reason why we were excited to support you guys. Well, we realized that you're building an ecosystem. So not only that you have enterprise grade, the platform that is sleek, that is like, that has a great user experience, which is again, I'm sure everyone will say when, when you're going to uh, uh, release it. Uh, but you, you also have some other, uh, uh, some other important elements, which, I believe it even far more superior than that. You're creating almost like a merit trade. You're creating like, you know, like a Charles Schwab, like a, 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 an investment platform where you can invest diversified uh, and diversified artists, right? You can have, as, as uh, Dr. Adiz has mentioned, that, that, that is amazing. That is exciting. People are paying for tickets anyway. People are buying like, you know, uh, on Spotify, as you mentioned, or uh, I don't know, on Apple Music or anywhere, they're buying songs anyway. Now, if they can do the same, and have vested interest in his career. And also, it's not just like a one-time expense. You pay, you paid for music, that's all, that's your expense. Your gain, yes, you're listening to the song, but you also have an opportunity that this particular piece of uh, digitized music, I will not use the word NFT according to advice. <laughs> so okay. uh, this will also appreciate in price this is incredible. So you're not, you're empowering the artist, you're empowering the fan, you're disintermediating everyone. And I will tell you who will cry. If, God forbid, the hustle will be removed from this, like, you know, the entire perimeter, like, you know, this, this line, the, the fans will cry and the artists will cry. So you have the, you have your answers. I'll <laughs> take it a step further. One step further. Are you ready for this? Uh, this is good because my dad has come into this 
wholeheartedly saying how he doesn't know about crypto. So there's an opportunity for this exchange of Varun teaching and Constantine teaching my dad crypto and my dad teaching his methodology and his experience of, you know, 60 years in the industry. Dad, have you heard of a DAO? Do you know what a DAO is? Yeah. It's another, yeah. Another, another, another currency, right? No, no. So what a DAO is, is if you have, let's say you have a, a currency and everyone has holders and you need to make a decision about the currency, let's say. Everybody who holds the token can place a vote. And if you have a token, each token is one vote. And we can vote on a decision utilizing exchanges of the token on a giant scale. So look at, look at how is music discovered today. The reason I have almost 200 million streams on a project I produced and wrote is because I released it on Spotify in 2015, 2016. The reason why it exploded was Spotify wasn't the mainstream outlet of the music at that time. Digital service providers, which is what Spotify is, Apple Music was, is, <laughs> were just coming into the industry. And actually there was a long time where Silicon Valley and Hollywood were, were hated each other and refused to work with each other. It took, uh, uh, a guy by the name of Troy, who was Lady Gaga's manager, to go work at Spotify, introduce all the record labels to finally make Spotify a mainstream thing because they, they looked at them as the, as, the, as the enemy. I uploaded it on Spotify, and because there wasn't as much competition as today and there wasn't the gatekeepers there was today, this is where I'm getting to, naturally the technology, the organic algorithm of the playlisting blew up my music because of the quality of the music. If I release that same exact record today, it would have zero plays as opposed to 200 million. And why is that? It's because now it's completely saturated with all different people. And then many people in the market came and took that need and became the gatekeepers that stopped the artists from becoming popular on Spotify. And they are called playlisters. And playlisters basically say, you give me $3,000 a month and I'm going to go pitch all your music to the Spotify boutique playlisters and the tastemakers. And when I do that, then you'll become popular. I've paid them. A lot of times it doesn't even work. So how can I go from that to this? And now they're the gatekeepers. That, that exact process and that intermediary of the playlisters and the distribution can also be replaced. Imagine if in the Hustle platform, What's the most important, most the most uh, 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 the most important place in the music industry to be is the front page of Spotify. You go to Spotify. If you're the front page, if you see my face on the front page of Spotify, the whole world will know who I am. Who chooses who's on the front page of Spotify? These intermediaries. What if utilizing Hustle Token, we could all vote on who's on the front page? And there's this giant. Uh, decentralized decision making on distribution. Now the payola, you know, that used to be blowjobs and cocaine is how you got your music on the radio. You used to, you know, a girl would no seriously, that's how it was. They would go, they'd show up with with a bag of coke, and then da 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 da, and then that's how this to the radio DJ, and that's how the song became popular. You know what I mean? Now there's this this is a decentralized system of making decisions on distribution. It's it it's like a it's just an unbelievable world. It's the same world that gets the crypto people excited that they can, you know, dad, I don't know if you know about this. Literally one day we're going to open the car door 
walk into the car, close the car door and drive away. And a smart contract is what decided who has ownership over the car because there's an NFT that shows the certificate of the car. And for me getting in, closing the car door, I never have to pay, never have to make a transaction. I now, this car is now mine and it's, I own the NFT associated with the car and I drive away, right? It's like, there, it's a whole new world that we're going to be walking into. Sorry. No, wait, wait, wait. no, no, wait, wait. Um, because what I'm hearing now is an enormous amount of opportunities. It's a threat. I want you to know that. Because it's like a guy who goes to a bar like this girl. Oh, there's another girl. And there's another girl. That other girl goes home and jerks off. Because you need to focus. You need to focus. One at a time. One at a time. What we need to do now at Hustle is to look at all the opportunities and say, slow down. First of all, we're going to do this. Then we are going to do this. Then we are going to do this. If you try to do everything at the same time, you are going to go home and jerk off. Please slow down. Yeah, slow I, down. I, I would support it 100%. And, and maybe, and that leads us like, you know, so uh, to one of the last questions, you know, so let's maybe talk about like, what's the roadmap, Varun? So can you help us to see what's on your plane? What, what are the ma major sure. milestones that we're expecting to see? Yeah, no, and, and Dr. Jesus is correct. You have to do something. You can't do everything all at once. You need to focus on one thing and do it extremely well and then move down, which is what the roadmap is for. But everything Sapphire is passionate about is things that we are putting on a roadmap. And those are eventually the goals that we want to take. But we have to start off small and continue on. So the roadmap is exciting. So on day one of our token launch, which you know, we're just trying to lock down, you know, different platforms to do the, you know, the IDO and whatnot. Uh, once on day one of launch, we're going to have the capability of what you see in the, the MVP on our site. So the smart, the Web3 wallet integration, meaning you can enter our site, our integrated, um, our sleek looking modern design. You can connect your MetaMask wallet and you can purchase the NFTs and you can also, so what you see on the, the demo will be there, but you can also have a staking mechanism. So we're going to offer a staking mechanism to our site where going to give utility and real use case for, for our hustle token, right? So in order to give the users empowerment and a reason to buy our token and excitement, you can now take our hustle token, go onto our site and stake it onto our platform. When you stake it onto our platform, you're going to earn some sort of yield. Now, the yield is not in the form of currency like USDC or some other DeFi type thing. It's in the form of a off-chain token, it's called basically a valueless token. We haven't named it yet. Maybe we'll open up for the community to vote. But basically this token accrues every day. Now this token, once you earn a certain amount of it, you can now purchase it or redeem it for stuff on our site, whether it's NFTs from your favorite artist, whether it's a, um, a meet and greet from your favorite artist. Different tiers have different sort of uh, redemptions. And you know, then there's abilities to now access uh, a lottery system where the grand prize would be, you know, an exclusive premiere event that you are invited to with your friends. So by giving the fan the ability to earn is, and not have to spend any money is, is, is something that I think is very important because we want everyone to have ability to, to enjoy the hustle, not just people with, you know, higher um, monetary means. I don't understand it. This is, can, maybe I'll do it, learn it on Thursday. 
I want to own Sapphire's song. I buy a hustle token, but how does a hustle token identify with a with me owning Sapphire song? Is there a separate token for for that? I mean, how how do I know that I own that that part? So the hustle token, sir, isn't necessarily what you need to buy the NFT. So think of it as what what if you like Sapphire song, you're gonna buy it with Ethereum, which is the number two cryptocurrency. So that is eventually we will use our token to buy, but you would just pay in Ethereum. It, it goes Bitcoin number one, Ethereum number two. Um, so Ethereum, you buy it. Now the hustle token, and then once you buy it, you have Sapphire Song in your wallet and it's tracked on the blockchain. You'll see when you bought it, it's in your wallet. So that's done. But the hustle token. But Ethereum is a coin. Yes. It does not say that I own that song. Uh, in other words, it, it will be it will be some kind of a information that who owns that song, right? That's what you mean. Yeah, that's in the NFT. So that word that you don't like. So when you pay the Ethereum, you get Sapphire Song. Now Sapphire Song is is in the form of an NFT. So it's a token that gives you ability to listen to Sapphire Song. That NFT. Think that, of the that, NFT as a box. Well, but, but that token that, that, is that token is not Ethereum. Ethereum buys the yeah. token. Exactly. So, exactly. So the word token and NFT are synonymous words. Yes, that's correct. Okay. So I'm buying a, a I'm buying a Sapphire Song token. Yes. With Ethereum. Correct. Okay. And now I own the token which is Sapphire Song. Exactly. And the better the song is, that token that is Sapphire song increases in value and improves, right? Exactly, especially if it's not many in circulation. But whatever, so I have that. And and now that, that song shares the revenue between Sapphire and the, and the, and the probably we're going to outsource the manager or whatever it is that promotes. And okay, I got it. Now, where is the hustle token coming to the game? So hustle token does two things. So as you were, your analogy said, the hustle token in theory is the basket of investing of all the artists on the platform. So if you believe that every artist, and again, not financial advice, but if you believe that the artists like Sapphire's token and every other artist on our site, that they're going to do very well in value, the hustle token by getting into our hustle token you're basically investing in the basket of artists in a way. You're also, so as they do well, in theory, your your hustle token should do well as well. But more I, importantly- I don't understand. How does a hustle token own a basket of artists? How does it come together? It's more of an analogy based, right? So the hustle token in crypto, the, the, the token of the platform, it's not vis-a-vis -vis, like I own the hustle token, I then own Sapphire's work. It's just a method method of people giving exposure to the company without owning maybe Sapphire's work. But more importantly, the hustle token has utility, meaning I can use my token on the platform to get free NFT. So Sapphire, say Sapphire has a song that he wants to, uh, sell on our platform. If you have money, you buy it. But if you don't, what if you don't have money? 
What if you can't afford Sapphire's amazing song, but I really want it. I'm somewhere, I'm in India and I love Sapphire, but I can't afford, you know, 50 bucks. What we do is the company will buy something from Sapphire and we put it onto our, our website. Those that own our hustle token can now, it's called staking. Oh, wait, so you are really, now I got it. You are really like, I, like a fund. The fund buys a lot of companies as a portfolio and I buy a piece of that fund. Basically, you become now the smart person to know which artist to buy. So all the money that you're now going to raise through the, through the going out to the market, you're raising now money, right? That money is going to be used to buy different tokens of different artists to create a portfolio of these artists. And now I am owning a portfolio of artists that you selected. Did I got it? Yeah, and not in a sense is we're going to acquire different artists to come onto our platform. So in theory, just think of the hustle token as representation of getting interest uh, in, in getting interest into our company. And if yeah. you believe our company is going to do well, that's kind yeah, of the economy. Yeah, it's a fund. It's a fund. I'm, I'm using the analogy of the stock market. You know, I buy into a fund, which I do, and the fund buys the stock that they believe yeah. in, and they have a portfolio, and if the stock goes up, the fund value goes up, and my there value go. goes up, period. Yeah. You really are, you're, you're really a congregator of, you know, to know which artist to own. Now, we can, you can use that money that you're raising now through so the going to the market, to buy those tokens of the different artists. Am I right? Now, but, but who does who does the tokening of the artists? Who makes him have token, his own NFTs? The NFT, yeah. Who does that? The hustle does that as well. So you really have two different companies. One company is finds an artist like Sapphire and says, join me, and we are going to fund you, and we are going to create a... The, 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 the whatever you call the NFTs here, and now you're going to have million artists, million fans owning you. That's one business. Then hustle in the other business buys all of those pieces of all of those to create a portfolio. Did I get it? There are two right. different companies that you're doing both sides. You're attacking it from both sides. You're creating token, no, you're creating decentralized ownership of artist songs, one thing, and you're creating the capability to own a portfolio of different artists so that you do not really kind of focus only on one artist. Now you have really you're attacking from both sides. There are two different companies in a sense. So instead of me creating ownership of decentralized ownership of Sapphire's music with Ethereum, I can do the same thing with Hustle, Hustle tokens. Yeah. Am I right? Uh, if I, yeah. Can I add to this also? So I, I would have in the definition because I think that's that's a beautiful way you put it. Like so, basically, we're redefining the entire way how to position you guys. <laughs> so decentralized, yeah. decentralized, vertically integrated marketplace or an aggregator that distributes value across all different like you know uh, players in in this industry. 
So you, 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 you are, you're not just like, I would say that it's because I also, I'm afraid, you know, I've been in funds. I'm afraid that people will associate themselves with only like their fund, their investors, they're greedy on the opposite. This is like, if you would even do the comparison of the fund, that will be the, the most like uh, given fund. That's the fund that you want, the, the uh, wants to give out like most of the value. So that's why I, I would define more as a, as a marketplace and, and where you bring value with a native asset where you as a, in the form of a hustle token and when you are becoming a holder of a hustle token you have several components right you you are participating in hustle economy so you're becoming almost like a shareholder of a hustle and you have the unique opportunities to uh, support other uh, artists and also build your own portfolio of, uh, of digital um, you know music uh, uh, of, uh, of the future. I got it, I got it. So basically, NFT is a token to own an artist. No, no, Dad, may I? Can I jump in here? Sure. Yeah, yeah. What is an NFT, okay? Very simple. And many people misunderstand it because they associate the artwork with it first, and then it confuses them. They don't understand how can an NFT be in a piece of artwork. If you own 10 Bitcoin, right? you have a certain number of Bitcoin in your wallet, right? I have 10 Bitcoin or I have 15 Bitcoin, but you can't own Bitcoin number 10. There's no way for you to signify that you own Bitcoin number 10. Currencies like Bitcoin, etc., they show you the amount that you have, meaning I have $5, right, in my account. NFT, on the other hand, uses the same crypto technology of blockchain, but instead of showing you the amount, it shows you uniqueness, meaning I own Bitcoin number 10. You can't own Bitcoin number 10, but you can own NFT number 10 or Sapphire's release of a million number 10. Now, there's a string of code associated with number 10. You have that code in your wallet that signifies the uniqueness of an asset that's associated with that asset. And you can sell that code, which is like a certificate of that uh, collectible, excuse me. Ownership. And, and, then, and then you sell it. So an, all an NFT is, is a string of code that shows uniqueness, that you can own a unique collectible. Now you, now you tell me, you, I, I like simple, I, I'm a simple guy. There is a vehicle that's called NFT. It's a vehicle. Don't tell me code, nothing. There is a vehicle. Some way for me to own a piece of Sapphire song, specific song. It's called NFT. And I own it. Okay? I will call it particular coin. Okay? Particular, no, call it certificate. I own a certificate that tells me that I own a piece of Sapphire's music, period. Now, hustle in that part of the business, forget the other part, in that part of the business, sells certificates. That's the business we are in, we sell certificates. Now that we sold certificates, the other hustle, the other bastard on the other side says, I want to own piece of these certificates to create a portfolio of certificates of different artists. And now I own that as well. That's it. As simple as that. Hustle are two different businesses. 
that are Siamese twins. One side creates certificates for artists, period. And we don't need to own 100% of the certificates. We can own 10% of this, 5% of that, 50% of this, 30% of that. We are in the portfolio business. The other side. You see that? This one has to promote artists to give you the right to certificate their songs and sell certificates of these artists to the market. One business, one business. We don't confuse the two. One business. Your job, Brian, get with Sapphire maximum artists and sell maximum certificates. Thank you very much. Goodbye. Don't talk to me anymore. You buy pieces of the artists you believe in, of the music you believe in, to create the best fucking portfolio, Spotify, Spotify, that people believe in your portfolio, and now you're found, your, your, your hustle currency, because you have now the fund grows in value like any fund. There are two different businesses that should be both successful, feeding each other. End of the story. Beautiful. That was wonderful. Yeah, I, I think, yeah, we'll, we'll specifically, I put like, you know, all the timestamps, so we will emphasize this one. I oh. think the fact that we can, uh, these are the, the secret of success, make it simple. Make it simple. Because when it's simple, you have clarity of mind, and you know what you're doing. The more complicated you are, the more confused you are, the more you don't sleep at night and you don't know what you're doing, and then you fuck yourself and you don't know how it happened. So be sure that you're simple, simple, simple. That's why I don't, you know, NFT, simple, simple. Okay, we will simplify it. On Thursday, we'll simplify it, Varun, and now we'll really know where we are. Guys, appreciate I promise you one hour, you took two hours. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much. really appreciate your time. Uh, thank you so much, Dr. Adizis. Thank you. I must go. I, I will ask some thank provocative you. two last questions of the meaning of life. Of, uh, you, you continue. You continue. Yes. yes. Thank you so much. Are you thank Russian? You. Are you Russian? Is that what your background is? M mine? Yeah. Mine, I am uh, Jewish-Ukrainian. Yeah. Ukrainian. Okay. But you're Israeli, right, Constantine? Or no? no, I actually was born in Kiev. I lived in Israel a little bit, but uh, I was born uh, in Kiev. So how did you come to my methodology? Because I'm very big in Ukraine, but did you get it that way? Or how did that, you find that's, it? That's exactly how I got. Like, you know, I've got I, all the books. I, I, so I, I bought I, it back I, in, in English, but all, all my books are in Russian, actually, of yours. Yeah. I am I'm very big in Russia. Okay. Thank you, sir. Hasta la vista. All the best. Bye. <laughs> yeah. Bye. All right, guys. So, so the last question I will ask you before we conclude this amazing interview. I mean, there's so much, you know, wealth that this was, was a good interview. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I didn't expect that. So that was like ex, uh, ex prompt and uh, nice. Yeah. So that we got a lot of amazing like an insights from uh, or, uh, you know, Dr. Adidas. I mean, I, I, I there, it will take me time to digest it. So what I want to ask you guys is like, what's some uh, every business is only not only about like again as I mentioned about the money about the pain about the pro solving the problem it's also about the meaning. So I you know you already expressed how passionate about it, what you're doing right but I, I want to ask you a personal question and then we'll conclude this interview. What is the meaning of life to each one of you? 
So we can start with Varun and then Safari will conclude. For me, the meaning of life is filling it with purpose and filling it with something where I wake up every day thinking I'm making the world a better place. I know that's super cheesy. It sounds, oh, I want to make like uh, the world a better place, but I mean it. I mean, I've lived with some sort of regret. So I'm a lawyer by profession, by most people's metrics. And my parents, of course, they think I'm a success. I should be happy because I'm an attorney. I, I did that whole thing, especially the old mentality. My parents are you know, in their late seventies and they have that, and I love them. And, but they have that mentality that if you're a doctor, you're an engineer, you're a lawyer, you're a success in life. I disagree in that sense. I think like, sure, on paper, you might be successful, but do you really value your job? Do you really value your life waking up every day? Do you have purpose? And for me, it was not the case for me uh, to get really personal. I left my dream job in Miami. I went to school law school at the University of Miami, and I was afforded the opportunity to work for a sports agency. I was 26 or so at the time, 25, 26, and I'm living the glamour life that I always wanted to be in. I loved sports at the time. But, um, and so for most people and myself, I was like, this is what I want to do. But family situations came up where, you know, I had to go back to LA to be with my family. I decided my parents are more important to me than this job, and I, I don't regret that. But then I'm stuck in, you know, a traditional law type setting, and I wasn't happy, right? I'll be honest, until I really found out cryptocurrencies, I found out digital assets, I realized early on, this is what I want to do somehow. Um, and that's why when this opportunity came, and I, I thought about the hustle, and I had that chance opportunity, I ran with it. And this is why I'm so passionate in that sense, because now I have a purpose in life. Now I wake up every day so excited, like I showed Sapphire my calendar, my calendar these days are just ridiculous. Like, Meeting, 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 meeting. Like, you know how it is to start a, found, a startup company in the crypto world. It's, it's, it's crazy. But I enjoy every single moment of it. And that's what life is about to me. That's what, what it is. Fill your life with happiness, people that love you, and fill your life with purpose. And if you have those two things, you're going to have a very successful life. So, yeah, for me, <laughs> okay, so for me, it's actually, I'm, uh, it's funny that my dad hopped off the phone because, um, uh, the way my dad's philosophy of the meaning of life, although it's completely subjective, uh, I feel like his lecture of what he was going to say is, I'm, I'm going to repeat his lecture and then and, and individuate it to myself as well. That's okay. So my dad always says, like, as we're talking about companies, who, who will cry if you die, right? Is the same way of asking, um, what is what is your purpose meaning who what if you ask what is your purpose like for this just this eraser what is what is the purpose of this eraser what is the meaning of life for this eraser the question is is who is going to use the eraser and what is the eraser going to be used for because you can say this eraser the me the meaning of it is it's an ear scratcher but it's not the meaning of this eraser is to erase who will cry if this eraser dies is the people that are using this to erase and the the meaning of this eraser is to be an eraser so that's you've defined the meaning of the meaning of life for the eraser how do you define the meaning of life for a person when you uh, 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 do things in life, you either get energy or you expend energy, right? Some actions give you energy. For instance, when I go kiteboarding, I just moved to Puerto Rico, so I'm out there 
with a board of height and everything. Wow, it gives me energy in a way that makes me, now I'm deviating from my dad's lecture, that makes me lose uh, a concept of myself, of who I am. I'm so in a, in a flow state that I'm no longer Sapphire. I'm part of a, of a greater ether, what, what, you know, with greater, greater, some greater spiritual bubble. With the eraser, same question. How do you know if you're fulfilling your purpose? with a human as opposed to an inanimate object, whether or not you're getting energy from it. And many times in my life, I've been in a place where my head says one thing, but the energy that I'm getting from the something totally different. And I just to relate with Varun and going to law school, I was, I'm a musician. You know what I mean? I had a, I have a very promising music career. I am, um, you know, played with orchestras and da, 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 composed symphonies, Spotify plays, everything. And when this opportunity came, it gave me so much energy that as I used to tell my friend, uh, 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 Burhana, who actually made the record with the 200 million streams with, follow the light. There's a light that's out in the ether that's giving you energy that you follow. Like, uh, you know, the sun's way in the light and there's a light going and you can follow that light. This project and crypto in general was giving me so much energy i started following the light and ironically same experience happened to me with the 200 million streams record i was making my own album i was focused on only being my own artist and my buddy came and he sang me some songs we started collaborating together i started producing and writing and it gave me so much energy to make a record with him that i said i'm erasing and I started to follow that light. And ironically, his name in, uh, in Amharic, Ethiopian language, which is the name of the album, and I had no idea, was called The Light. So for me, the meaning of life is to follow the light. And when you follow the light, you lose a sense of self and you become a bigger part of the greater ether. And really the meaning of life is to lose that sense of self because eventually we all do when we die. And uh, during this life, it's to follow that light. and. In turn, and this is where I agree with Varun's definition, I believe when you follow that light and you lose that sense of self, inherently you become more selfless. And when you be inherently become more selfless, you're actually giving more. And I think there's a relationship between that flow state of being completely in a uh, uh, losing a sense of self and a contribution to humanity. I think those two are linked. I don't know exactly how, but I've seen in my life, every time I follow the light, I... It, and it might go against my head. It usually does go against my head. But when I do, it ends up helping a lot of people, a lot more people than if I use my head, honestly. Beautiful. Thank you so much. I, I, I really appreciate, you know, everything uh, that you've shared with me. I think we learned a lot from each other today. And that's that's the beautiful thing. Like as a, as a conclusion, again, I will share all the links to, to the Hustle Project. I implore people to visit, you know, all their... Uh, social media channels and a vibrant community in telegram and growing and uh, i'm sure that whatever uh, the guys are doing because there's so much passion in it they will be successful so with that we conclude and varun uh, sapphire thank you so much guys thank you thanks for having us captain